Welcome to a best of episode of the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Casey. It's Thanksgiving week here in the U.S., and at least on Thursday, we'll be expressing gratitude. And that's our topic today with the question, what if you were grateful not just on Thursday, but every day? It turns out there are simple, practical ways to do just that, and there's a lot of research showing that it's going to benefit you and others around you. So as you listen to my earlier conversations with two guests, Christy Nelson and Glenn Fox, you can listen to the full episodes by clicking on the links in the show notes. I hope you'll stick around for the very end because I have a takeaway. It's one gratitude practice you could start doing if you wish on Friday or even today to get a head start. Highly recommend it. And while we're talking about gratitude, one thing I'm grateful for is people like yourself who listen to this podcast. Thanks for listening. And now let's listen to some advice on how we can move past taking things for granted and becoming grateful perhaps each and every day. Christy Nelson is the author of the book, Wake Up Grateful, the transformative practice of taking nothing for granted. She's also the executive director of a network for grateful living. You can find at gratefulness.org. There's a link in the show notes. And she's also a stage four cancer survivor. She's had a wealth of experience personally with the power of gratitude. But first she points out that in addition to her personal experience of gratitude, there's a ton of research about why you should consider being grateful year long. Well, gratitude's been researched a lot more lately in the past 10 to 15 years, Bob Emmons, who's a, a scientific researcher and the Greater Good Science Center and the Templeton Foundation have come together to research but the benefits of gratitude on a whole host of levels. So there's physiological benefits, including more robust immune response, heart health, stress reduction, for sure. And then there are relational benefits in terms of kind of ease in relationships, generosity, you know, gratitude makes us more generous with other people. And then there are what I would call kind of psychological benefits, which would speak to things like resilience, greater resilience in the face of hardship, which is really what I think is hugely pertinent right now. Deeper levels of a sense of well-being, the capacity to navigate difficulty with greater ease. So those are some of the things and they're very widespread. And yet gratitude is not so easy to come by all the time. So that's why we do what we do is because we talk about how can we really live more gratefully, not just have gratitude as a momentary experience that then evaporates. Glenn Fox is a faculty member at the University of Southern California's Marshall School of Business. He received his PhD in neuroscience from USC, where he focused on gratitude, empathy, and neuroplasticity. Before becoming a faculty member at the business school, Glenn led the Performance Science Institute at USC, where he worked with the Marine Corps, Army Research Labs, the Seattle Seahawks, and numerous Olympic athletes and Fortune 500 companies to examine the role of mindset in business and in high-stakes pursuits. He shared his comments on research on gratitude. We found that some of the brain regions involved in processing these gifts were those associated with interpersonal bonding and joy. So the state of gratitude is 
in other studies where they have tried to get people to practice gratitude on a daily basis, daily or even weekly basis, to be honest, on a regular basis, found that people who regularly practice focusing on gratitude show other immense benefits as a result of practicing the state of gratitude. So they show reduced symptoms in stress. They show reduced symptoms of physical discomfort. And more fun than that, they show more tendency to exercise. And there's all kinds of stuff coming out now. I mean, to be honest, thank goodness, like gratitude research is blowing up. While it's not automatic, wisdom generally does increase with age. And that brings a renewed appreciation and heightened sense of gratitude. When we're older, we are really acutely aware of that, much more so than young people. And that's wisdom. There's wisdom in that. And yet what we also know is that people tend to feel much more grateful. A lot of people do when they know that they're going to die, when they suddenly what's important and what matters clarifies itself and crystallizes. I'm always interested in how can we cultivate that sense of what matters and what's really important, what's most acute in the moments when we're fully alive and not wait for those times when we're about to lose something or we've lost something that we care about in order to feel grateful. For Christine Nelson, it was a health crisis that focused her on some things that she had begun to take for granted. When I was 33 years old, I became really ill and it took many, many months for me to be diagnosed. So that was a a part of the journey for me was it was about nine months from the first fever that I had to when I was ultimately conclusively diagnosed. And I think a lot of people resonate with that experience, Joe, because we have a sense of there's illness and then diagnosis and prognosis. And it's never so easy. (laughs) It just doesn't unfold like that. There's tons of people probably listening today who have chronic illnesses, who have acute illnesses that are undiagnosed, who get misdiagnosed, all of that is so par for the course in life. And so in those nine months, I had to really live with a huge amount of uncertainty and with the prospect of being ill and I was getting more and more ill and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And by the time I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed with stage four atypical Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so that meant that it had metastasized to my spine. So by that time, I was bedridden, I was in a wheelchair, I, I couldn't walk, I was in an incredible amount of pain. And so that was a really deep, immersive experience for me in what I couldn't and couldn't control. And at 33, that's unusual. You know, as I was saying, hopefully by the time that we're older, we have a lot of wisdom to bring to that question of what we do and don't get to control. And at 33, everybody's got their eyes set on the horizon of their future and their retirement plan and their home and their family and their long-term trajectory, which everybody gets to imagine for themselves. But at 33, to have stage four cancer, it took that away from me. And so I really got an immersive education in gratefulness and what it meant for me to take nothing for granted. I could take nothing for granted. And that was the source of joy for me. And so that's been my adult lifelong learning 
practice is really more deeply understanding how that attention to the moment and how that awareness of what really, really matters that arises so often in the prospect of losing our lives and in the prospect of sometimes we get forewarned about things, you know, and we're really lucky when those experiences happen. And then we carpe diem, we seize the moment. We we want to live our lives really fully in what matters to us. But how can we do that without having to almost lose or lose what matters to us? So that's what's important to me and teaching that to other people and practicing it myself, which means continually remembering and coming back to being grateful for life, the gift of life, being grateful for what matters and knowing what matters to me and keeping a sense of perspective and possibility and living gratefully is a powerful pathway to that for me. 10 years ago, I discovered a method that's been a huge asset in my life, and that's the Tiny Habits Method, created by BJ Fogg, PhD at Stanford University. It's really about behavior change and creating habits by starting small, actually very small, even tiny. When I first started using it, I focused on exercise habits, sit-ups. I started with one, got up to 200 a day. Feel very silly starting with one, but you feel great when you're doing 200 a day. Do the same now with, with push-ups. I started with one five years ago, and now I do 50 a day without ever giving it a second thought because it's automatic. It's an automatic habit. When I was trained by him as one of his certified coaches, you had to design a new habit, and he would help you refine it. And what I learned from him there, because I chose, ironically, gratitude. I chose a three blessings exercise created by Martin Seligman. You'll find some information on that in the show notes. And he said, what are you going to anchor it to that you reliably do every day? And I said, well, I 100% of the time get dressed every day. And so I'm going to do these three blessings, this gratitude practice after I get dressed. So that's actually too vague. You need to find the last thing you do. What's the last thing you do when you get dressed? I said, I have no idea. And so we analyzed actually step-by-step step how I get dressed in the morning. And I've discovered the last thing I do is put on my left shoe. So we anchored the habit, the gratitude habit, the gratitude practice to that last trailing edge of behavior. And I have eight habits that I created using his method personally that I do every day. Three of them I do before I come downstairs in the morning. And it's a great way to start the day. So I'm sharing this today with you because you may want to make next year your best year. And I'm offering for the first time training in this tiny habits method in a group setting. So it'll meet three Fridays in January, one hour over Zoom, small group, each designing three new habits. And think about what if you were to do three new habits next year that could make a huge difference in your life. Take a look at the show notes. You'll find a link to the Tiny Habits program starting in January, and I hope you'll join us. So does it take a crisis to develop gratitude? Glenn Fox says, think of it as a skill and make it easy for yourself to practice. I think it's as simple as paying attention. So there's ways to nudge ourselves to feel grateful. Leave your gratitude journal on your desk so that when you go to work, you've got to move your gratitude journal or put it by the side of your bed. So every time you go to bed, you have to like turn on, you know, move your gratitude journal and turn on your light. And so you go, oh, I better fill this thing out right now. So little nudges like that, I think can make a big difference. And soon you're starting to pay attention. So I really think 
The biggest hurdle, honestly, I think is just not treating it like a skill, treating it like a trait that you're either born with or you have or you don't, and that's completely false. So treating it as a skill to be developed and then designing ways so that we pay attention is the best way. So we lose gratitude when we're not paying attention to what's around us. We're not paying attention to the present moment. And we all do this. I say we intentionally. I'm not saying, yeah, this is me. I'm right there with you. That's when I notice it personally is like, oh, if I design my life to practice this a little better, I get more of it. So that's really, it's as simple as paying attention, but the ramifications of that are pretty profound in terms of setting our life around our mental health and mental recovery and mental flourishing. One of the challenges in practicing gratitude is we need to be intentional about it. A practice takes active engagement and effort. And one of the reasons is because our brains love shortcuts. We like to go on autopilot because it helps us conserve energy. So it takes an active approach to practice being grateful. It's being grateful as an active, it's an active verb. It's like love you can feel a lot of love, you can feel a lot of gratitude, but until you express it, it doesn't necessarily transform your relationships. And so the invitation is live it, live it out loud. Don't take the people in your life for granted. One of the things I say is that when we take things for granted, they become lifeless. They become literally kind of dead to us. We get into a trance, we sleepwalk, we walk past people who are miracles in our lives and we don't appreciate them. And we take a drive that we've taken often in our lives and we don't appreciate it because we're asleep to it. And yet somebody who takes that same drive and goes by these trees and on this road might say, wow, this is extraordinary, or gets in a car and says, this is amazing to be able to even drive in a car. But I think that the people who become invisible to us in some way, what we have to do is really awaken and then actively express all of the appreciation that we feel. And one of the things that I've really experimented with is, is it possible to really be too grateful <laughs> for the people that, we're, that we appreciate and whose presence in our lives matters deeply to us? And I kind of have not found the threshold. I'll just tell you the the <laughs> there's a huge amount of capacity for us to express, experience, and express appreciation. So gratitude is a practice. Practice, yes, we are talking about practice. And how often should you practice gratitude? And what's an exercise that's a really good one to get started? The skill of gratitude is applying the right amount for everyone there. And it's probably a little more than we normally do, right? So when it comes time to practicing and showing the right amount, a lot of it comes back to that regulation and that practice of it and allowing us to, to hone in on the proper amount of skill overall. I have a gratitude journal that I keep on my desk that I update periodically. There's good research too showing that you don't necessarily need to do a gratitude entry every single day that as frequently as once a week can make a great difference for us. For me, because I've been practicing it so long, I really, I hope folks can take my word for it. So one is, I think that writing it down is, is kind of the gold standard, sending thank you notes and writing it down is kind of the gold standard way to practice. And I'm, I'm regular 
if not sporadic in terms of how often I'm writing it down. But I do have, at this point, I've been practicing so long. I can say this with confidence and with humility, though, that like I do take time to notice things that are going well every single, all the time. Well, one of the first exercises that I have in the book, and it's really, it's what we call a practice. So, and everything is a practice, but we can have very intentional practices. And one of them is called obligation to opportunity. And it's a grateful living practice. It's about a reframe. It's about a perspective shift. Mm -hmm. And so here's the invitation is whenever you think of something you have to do, or you can do it right now as a little writing practice or a reflection practice, think of three or four or more things that you have to do today before you go to bed tonight. So the to-do list, the chores, the taking care of people, our responsibilities basically. And so a great exercise is to experiment with writing down a list of a bunch of things you have to do. And I do this all the time. And then cross out, I have to, because literally you want to write, I have to go shopping. I have to run an errand. I have to take someone somewhere. I have to finish an assignment or go to a meeting. And so you write out, I have to, and then you cross out, I have to, and you write, I get to. And in that experience of saying, I get to, it awakens this totally different relationship to the privilege actually of what we get to do in our lives. Because a lot of people can't do those things. And someday we won't be able to do those things. And so not taking those opportunities for granted is a total reframe. And you start to realize instead of begrudging the things that you have to do in your life, you can befriend them and do them with joy and feel grateful for the opportunity to do those things. And it brings so much more happiness to your life. It changes everything. So what's the best time to start a gratitude practice? Thanksgiving Day, the day after Thanksgiving, New Year's. Well, Glenn Fox has a recommendation. Don't wait for a good day to be grateful. And don't wait for a bad day to be grateful. Like the best day is probably yesterday. And the second best day is today, as the old saying goes. And the other thing you will notice, the more you practice gratitude, the less it will be dependent on external circumstance. And the research on high performance, by the way, the research, all the work I've done with military and elite performers in the last few years before becoming an entrepreneurship professor is that these folks will perform no matter the circumstances. And gratitude and optimism and purpose are actually independent of circumstance. When you practice them, you won't be waiting for a good or a bad day to practice gratitude. So just like right now, I, I'd permit anyone, <laughs> as long as you're not driving, to just jot down or say, just say out loud, say it right out loud. If you're in your car right now, listen on your commute, just say something, say, look around and go, hey, that tree is looking nice or whatever, or anything, pick something. Cars running, if your car's running, well, then great. There's something, but I guarantee there's something. And even if you feel like you're being dishonest, about being grateful on a day that's tough, you're not. You're fundamentally, like you're objectively not being in any sense of denial. In fact, by focusing on negative things, we're actually denying the good things just as well. So why not just have a little, a little balance in how we set it up? So I always conclude these podcast conversations with a takeaway segment 
And that's because I'm encouraging people to take action from what you heard. We do that often when we're reading a book, but sometimes we're in a little bit passive listening mode when we podcast. So make a note, here's the one takeaway from this best of episode. Use this week as a catalyst to start a gratitude practice if you don't have one already. I have a number of techniques covered in my book, Win the Retirement Game, with, with recommendations on how to do them. But the one I'll leave you with today is the three blessings exercise by Martin Seligman. He's from the University of Pennsylvania, considered the father of positive psychology. And it's a very doable practice that will pay great dividends for you. I have a link in the show notes on instructions on how to do the three blessings exercise. If you want to learn more from Christy Nelson and Glenn Fox, there are links in the show notes to the full podcast conversations, as well as a link to Christy's book, Wake Up Grateful. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast and wishing everyone a fantastic holiday season. 